Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Hidden Gems podcast, where we are giving some more suggestions for great movies to watch on Disney+. Plus. Uh, this week, uh, we change it up. We do different services. And I decided to switch this uh, episode up and divide it into two episodes because we ended up talking for about 20 minutes on the state of Disney+, Plus, particularly with them releasing Artemis Fowl and it being such a problem. Uh, we just had a lot to say about that. And so you want to make sure that you listen to that episode uh, if you're interested in that. And these will, this part will be the recommendations part. Uh, so that the Disney Plus uh, Artemis Fowl part aired yesterday. And so would love your thoughts on that. And make sure you check that out as well. And we'll look forward to hearing your thoughts on these recommendations. So thanks so much. Well, let's get started on our normal program. <laughs> um, we now right. return to our regularly scheduled program <laughs> that's right and so my first suggestion is uh is a movie that did come out this last year that everybody who follows my channel knows how much i enjoyed uh, but i still i feel like it's still kind of underrated is timmy failure mistakes were made and I was actually kind of irritated with this movie because it got a slot at Sundance. And I was just exasperated by that. I can believe that a Disney film gets a slot at Sundance. What? I still think that's ridiculous. Sundance is supposed to be the place for, for small independent films. It's not Disney. <laughs> Timmy, it, for, it will forever be shown in the record books. Timmy failure mistakes were made was a festival darling. <laughs> That's right. I, it's true. And so I, I was kind of irritated with it. And then I watched it and it, it completely charmed me and won me over. And I do kind of understand why it was picked by the festival committee for the family section because it does have a sort of indie spirit about it. Some people joked it's like Portlandia for, for kids and it's set in Portland and there's a kind of a hipster feel to it. Uh, he, his narration is hilarious. He rides this, uh, it's about this kid who uh, is, a, uh, is a detective and he has, has his own detective agency and he rides around on his mother's Segway and solving crimes like who where's the missing backpack and stuff like that it's so cute i loved it uh and there's also some like, em emotional truth in in it uh there's a great scene with craig robinson and the and timmy where he talks about adaptability and how you have to be you have to you know stand up for yourself but you also have to be willing to adapt and to new environments and it was so sweet and i wallace sean plays his teacher and he, there's nobody that plays the cranky teacher better than wallace sean and <laughs> i just loved little timmy and he has this 1600 pound uh, uh imaginary polar bear best friend and <laughs> which was really well done it's obviously a cgi creation but i bought it so even though I was annoyed that it, that it got a spot at Sundance, I still really enjoyed it. And uh, I think that especially if you have kids, and especially if you have kids that feel a little out of place or a little like they don't fit in uh, or that are dealing with some kind of trauma, 
then this is the perfect film for them to watch and uh and kind of find somebody they can relate to in timmy uh so i highly recommend it I, I, it was really good yeah anything with wallace sean i go out of my way to i mean missing a wallace sean movie that's inconceivable <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> i had to include the princess bride in there sorry not sorry <laughs> yeah and he he you know he was the cranky teacher in clueless so <laughs> you will always have my heart as a great teacher so uh i i just really enjoyed it and uh so hopefully you get a chance to see it so what's your first choice so my first choice is from 2010 and the reason i chose this one is because we actually just passed the real life anniversary of uh, one of the events that happened in this movie. The movie is called Secretariat. Uh, this is based on the true story of a horse named, well, Secretariat, uh, the, who is known as the only horse in recorded history to win the trip or to win the Triple Crown. That's the Preakness Stakes, the Belmont Stakes, and the Kentucky Derby. Uh, he did it in 1976, uh, but uh, but and he won the he won the last of the Triple Crown in a record uh, number of lengths. At, I think it was like in the 20s or 30s. It's escaping me at the minute, but it was a pretty significant distance, especially for a for a horse race. But the movie is not just about the horse, it's also about his owner, named Penny Tweedy, played by Diane Lane, who is good in pretty much anything she's in. Uh, she is, uh, she takes over the horse farm after her mother dies and his, and her father, played by Scott Glenn, has, uh, is, suffers from dementia, which was rather sad because I like Scott Glenn and he's good in anything he's in. Uh, Secretariat is, uh, is, is, is really good. It's, it's one of the famous sports movies that we like to talk about on this channel. Uh, there is, there's no bad ones. I am fully convinced of this. Uh, you've got Diane Lane, like I mentioned. Uh, John Malkovich is in there as the horse trainer who dresses just so outrageously. In the words of the movie himself, he dresses like Superfly. So that, <laughs> that just got a laugh out of me. <laughs> uh, and it's just the movie just makes you feel really good and it's like it, like you go through so much and then when that that horse wins the first first one you're like great he won but then you're like can he win another and then when he wins the final one it's like that was the coup de gras it was like big bigger biggest uh so yeah secretariat is it's definitely really good and really relevant because we just passed the anniversary yeah i like this movie i struggle with it a little bit if i'm honest because i how do i say this and i the thing i struggle with is that i feel like yes she she should be able to be a working woman i'm totally in support of that but i also kind of feel like she sort of abandons her family like it's one thing to be a working woman it's another thing to be a working woman in another state and i i i think that that is my one struggle with the movie that i i i feel like her family needs her especially her daughter really needs her and she's not there for them 
and that's my struggle with the movie a little bit is that yeah, there, like, there's a, there's a, what rachel's talking about is that there's a subplot in the movie where her oldest daughter basically goes through a hippie phase mm-hmm. if i if i remember correctly and uh and she's really not there for it so yeah i i do understand where you're coming from rachel and uh and and yeah it definitely gets lost in the shuffle that's my biggest problem with the movie i still enjoy it but yeah i I, upon like thinking about it it's like oh yeah that 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 that, her oldest daughter basically you know come becoming a hippie and joining like a hippie movement like that was that was kind of ham-fisted like all that stuff is like it's it's fine to be uh to for her to to be it's fine for her to be a woman who's who's investing in this horse it's fine for her daughter to be you know rebelling in this way and and experiencing life all this stuff is fine but if you're going to be a family you need to be together you can't be in a whole nother state like (laughs) unless you're in the army or something like that i feel like and uh and you need to be with your family and so if you're going to be raising this horse and that's your career and that's your job family needs to move to the horse (laughs) uh that i don't know that's just that that was my only struggle with like is she a bad mother it's maybe she kind of is a bad mother and i i hate saying that but that was my struggle with her character of like she's not there for her family she needs to be there um for her family uh but nevertheless it is a uh, i love sports movies and so it, it has much inspiring moments so uh so my next choice since i couldn't do make my music i wasn't available i went with melody time as a hidden gem on disney plus and uh melody time is uh a package film from the 1940s it has a whole bunch of different uh shorts in there but the the main one is they have johnny appleseed and uh his story and you have the uh, the i love the the music obviously it's melody time but uh the the lord is good to me so thank so you so i lord, thank the lord for giving me, me. Yes. the time i need <laughs> yeah. da, 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 and an apple, apple seed and seeds thank good, good to, to me, me. <laughs> it's such a good song it's such a charming song and really is. and uh and then there's and i love the the animation is done kind of like grandma's grandma moses folk uh painting uh and it looks just beautiful and so i i really love that and then i also love pecos bill those are the two longer shorts both those are over 20 minutes and uh, so it's really fun and so you should check it out if you have not seen melody time yeah like a like from my solo i just did i have heard <laughs> i have heard of this movie and i have seen the johnny appleseed parts but yeah. other than that i have not seen the rest of it but i definitely will i i mean i've i've seen i definitely have seen the johnny appleseed part but it was like the rest i have not seen i promise i won't sing in every episode of 
the show from now on. But sometimes you just got to. You've got to to sell the film. Uh, <laughs> I, had to field, I had to field phone calls from Celine Dion <laughs> saying that's that right. we need to get you on stage. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, so what is your next choice? So my next choice, uh, my next choice is from is from the late 1960s and this has been a personal favorite of mine for a very long time it's called the love bug uh, this was the first of the herbie movies the lovable volkswagen bug who has a life of life of his own uh, this was his first appearance and uh out of all of the sequels which just got even crazier and crazier from there and the, with the last one having lindsay lohan in it but i digress uh, the first one is the most normal. Uh, it focuses on a driver named Jim Douglas, who is good at his job, but has had a string of very rotten luck. So, so he finds he finds Herbie, and at first is like, ah, it's a bit of a fixer-upper, but then realizes that the car has a life of its own, and so they start working together, and and they start winning races. But uh. But Herbie's former owner is a snooty car salesman played by David Tomlinson. And if you need a snooty actor, like you call David Tomlinson. <laughs> like he was the father uh, in Bedknobs and Broomsticks, and he was also Mr. Banks in Mary Poppins. And I cannot speak how highly of his performance I think of him in that. Like he is wonderful in that movie. And he is like the perfect person to be the villain in here because he's. He goes from, you know, the upper class gentleman to just falling over himself slapstick style at every other minute is like, is like, I am through being embarrassed, George. And it's like, like, he's so committed to try and keep up an appearance that it just, it, he's just so funny because he's falling over himself and, and, and his assistant. And it's just like, he's the type of villain that you want, that you want to lose, but he's also the type you love to hate as well. Uh, the final race of the movie is, uh, is the best part. And uh, there's a lot of good stuff in between. And there's some dark stuff in there too. Uh, David Tomlinson's character feeds Herbie Irish coffee. No, I'm not kidding about that. And the car gets drunk. And, so, and, uh, and after a series of events, Herbie attempts to commit suicide which, yeah, that was a thing. But minus that, it's fun for the whole family, which <laughs> that's an awkward note to leave off on. But Rachel, <laughs> have you seen this? I think I did when I was little, but it's been many, many, many years I've since I've seen uh, any of the Herbie films. So uh, I think uh, that uh, that would be fun to revisit them. Yeah, and and like I said, the uh, the sequels get sillier from there. If yeah, you can believe. yeah. Well, very good. Well, my uh, next choice is also a live action uh, Disney classic, I guess. Uh, it's Pollyanna, and it's based on the novel. And I feel like this movie kind of gets a bad rap as being, you know, people will be like, "Oh, don't Pollyanna it," you know, or whatever kind of thing, like. And because you have it, what they mean by that is that like somebody that's blindly optimistic and doesn't ever uh, look at the negatives at all. And so it's just like, oh, that, uh, that's pollyanna kind of. And because uh, the idea is just you have this girl, Pollyanna, who uh, is an orphan 
has faced all these horrible things and the way that she has learned to survive is by trying to find the positive and so she then teaches her the town when she when she moves in with her aunt she teaches the town about uh, about her philosophy on life and the thing is is that you have to understand that this is a character who has been through these horrible things and that's a choice that she has made so uh, she knows about the darkness uh, and she's aware of it and by the end of the movie she 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 breaks i won't spoil it but she breaks and it's quite devastating and i absolutely love carl uh carl malden in this movie i think he is really great as this uh as this priest who uh or minister reverend i i he's he's a reverend i think he's a reverend uh who is preaching fire and brimstone and repentance and and uh you know the beware the judgments of god and and these kinds of things and death comes unexpectedly he's <laughs> big talk to everybody and uh and he talks to pollyanna and he has this religious con- con- conversion where he realizes that what he's been doing has actually been like scaring people away from god not teaching them of god's kindness and compassion and love and uh, and uh, teaching about you know who god really is and he seeks their forgiveness uh in the end and it's just beautiful it's so well done and it's got a great cast uh you have jane wyman who plays aunt Polly? she's great uh hayley mills of course is pollyanna she's great uh you have agnes moorhead playing uh mrs snow the crotchety old woman that's that's picking out coffins <laughs> picking out her coffin when she first meets pollyanna and she's lovely and i i just i love it i think it's a great movie and uh important message especially in times like this that there is power and positivity and optimism and uh that that's something worth kind of fighting for and so if someone were to ask me what's a faith-based film that i think uh what's what's a a film about religion that's not like a faith-based film this might be one that i would bring up because i think it 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 has those themes as well yeah it it sounds like a uh it sounds like a really, really good film from what you've been saying. Yeah. It, it's one of those movies that I was always like, Pollyanna, I knew about it, but I never really saw it. But now I'm definitely going to look into it. Yeah. Like I said, I, I think it gets a bit of a bum rap of people who are like, just sort of dismiss it as a happy, uh, naive kind of movie. Oh, Pollyanna. Uh, but I think there's more to it than, than that. So what's your next choice? So my next choice is a bit of a gray area, but I I love this movie. I always have, and I don't really think there's a ton of people talking about it nowadays. It's called Sister Act. This is from 1992, uh, and it's a musical, and it stars Whoopi Goldberg as a Vegas lounge singer who uh, who witnesses her uh, who witnesses her boyfriend doing a gang style execution. So she has to run into witness protection, and she begins hiding out in uh, 
in a convent and she becomes a nun. And, uh, and Whoopi Goldberg in a convent does sound a little ridiculous, but the movie's actually really good. Uh, the cast is in there too. It is really good as well. Harvey Keitel plays her boyfriend. Uh, Maggie Smith is in there as Mother Superior, and I don't think you could have picked a better actress to play to play that role than in Sister Act. Uh, the uh, the one woman from Hocus Pocus, uh, I can't Athena remember. Jimmy. Yes, that one, Kathy Jimmy. Uh, she's in there, and she's funny as well. And uh, and it's about uh, Whoopi Goldberg's character teaching the uh, the church choir how to sing. And I have been a part of my church choir since I started high school. So that's about eight or nine years ago. So this movie has a lot of special meaning to me. It's got great songs. It's really really funny uh it's uh it's actually got a pretty good uh put down or two because there's a scene where where Whoopi Goldberg's character is given her room to where she's staying and she is like and she's complaining and stuff and she's like before all this you know I had money I had and I had clothing that fit you know before all of that I was okay and Mother Superior is like oh really well you are a failing Vegas lounge singer, and your married lover wants you dead. If there is anyone kidding themselves around here, it's you. Yeah. God has sent you here. Take the hint. And she walks away, and, and Whoopi just opens up the, like, the little door flap and looks at her like, did she really just say, God has sent me here? And then it, it's, it's one of those things that I've always really enjoyed. But Sister Act, it's really yeah. good. Yeah, I actually just revisited it this because uh, there was a thing on Twitter about uh, about Sister Act Two being at seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and I was just like, "What?" And so I I said, "I'm gonna I'm gonna review it and add my score because I'm pretty sure I liked that movie." And so then I went and watched both of them, and I I did like Sister Act Two. I thought I, it just has its flaws. But overall, I think it's actually a pretty entertaining film, and uh, and it tries something different. It doesn't just do the same thing. I mean, it, it's a school setting and it's a teacher and and kind of thing. And the music is so good in both movies. But I think maybe even better in Sister Act Two as far as music, because uh, Lauren Hill and and uh, so I, I did just recently watch these, and I think the first one is is probably funnier. If you're just looking for a comedy, whereas the second one tries to kind of be a little more substantive, sort of about about things, but uh, but yeah, I think it's a good choice. I think people should watch it. And I was proud that by the time that I, because it was kind of a bunch of us were going to be re-reviewing Sister Act too, and by the time I put up my score, I raised it from a fourteen percent to a seventeen percent. So. <laughs> so making a difference in this world one review at a time <laughs> not all heroes wear capes <laughs> that's right all right well my next choice is actually a television show and it's called elena of avalar and i did a whole video on my channel a couple of years ago about how i think elena of avalar is actually the best disney princess and it's it's a little bit unfair because she has multiple 
episodes of whole arcs you know to kind of build her character whereas the other princesses just have one movie so it's, it's a little unfair but but she she does she's such a good character they do a great job uh, of developing her as a real leader whereas none of the other princesses ever really get a chance to to lead aside from maybe uh, elsa a little bit uh and uh, and i think that that's really neat to see and for young girls to see uh, elena lead her people and the sort of the the difficulties of ruling that you have where you know you have to help people with conflict you have to you know, she's got uh, this villainous uh woman who's after her and trying to stop her and uh, of course she's got that but there's also love there's friendships there's a lot of different things elements that she's uh juggling and i thought it was just really well done i it's been about a year since i have followed the show because i just ran out of time but i really thought it was well done i think the music is very good amy carrero is the vocals for elena and she does such a good job with both the singing and the uh the vocal work and and i think that it does uh cultural appropriation really well uh it's it's obviously a a mystical mythical land of avalar but it's you know borrowing from from mexican and uh in latin american kind of culture and i think it does that well uh and they have episodes on and day of the dead and you know just things like that and i i it's just a really high quality well done show and i think a lot of people look at it because it's a a branch off of sophia uh the first i think it's just for little little kids uh when i think it actually has a an older demographic it could be entertaining to uh to, to to older it's it's older than sophia's demographic at least and, and and i don't know it's just very well done and i think people should give it a shot yeah i had never heard of this until you sent me your list and i started looking them up and i was like this looks like the same animation style as sophia the first and then yeah you, and then you were saying that this is basically like 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 similar to it and i'm like okay that that makes sense she's a spin-off character of sophia and so that's why <laughs> um but it 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 spins off quite a bit i think and uh, there is a movie where the two of them are together in in an elaine of avalar movie uh but also she's actually the main you don't you don't usually get to see disney princesses doing any kind of mothering or being a caregiver of any kind uh and in in this case she's actually the main caregiver the main mother for her sister and so there's some really really sweet interactions there so i just i just feel like she gets to be kind of a more well-rounded example for young girls than i mean i love my disney princesses don't get me wrong but i just i think elena has a special role of really actually being able to be a leader and also uh, the fact that she is basically a mother and uh, I I think that they should make a movie off of Elena because I mean you go to the you go to the parks and Elena is as popular as any other character. I uh, and she has a whole designated meet and greet in uh, Disney World just for Elena and 
uh, in the princess, uh, there's a princess meet and greet and she has a whole section just for her. And so she's really popular. And I think that, that a movie from her would do very well. And it would be a really nice thing for, uh, you know, for Latinos, uh, you know, little girls to have, to have an Elena movie. And anyway, I just really like her and I like her character and I think they did a good job. So uh yeah, hashtag uh, elena movie <laughs> yeah that's right so what's your next pick so my next pick is is uh is from 2008 and a very long time ago i recommended the chronicles of narnia the lion the witch and the wardrobe and i said that i would be recommending the sequel one day well that day has come and i'm <laughs> recommending the chronicles of narnia prince caspian uh, this movie has always been at a bit of a handicap because I believe every living child in America has at least heard of The Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And I think that it's an unwritten law that they had to read the book and then watch the movie, either that or To Kill a Mockingbird, or sometimes both. That happened to me. But Prince Caspian was the movie that everyone was like, there's a sequel to that book? And I'm like, yeah, there's like seven sequels to The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and even prequels. But that, that'll take me on a tangent that would be way too long for this podcast, so I will digress. Um, Prince Caspian uh, is, is the sequel to Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and it, they did something that I actually appreciated, and that the movie takes place three years after the event events of Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. However, three years in our time is 1,300 years in Narnia. So all of the Pevensey children, at least in Narnia, have all died. They all went on to become these legendary kings and queens and warriors and very well respected, but their names have faded into legend. So, and, uh, and when they come back, they have to assist the telemarine prince named, well, Caspian because he is currently infighting with his uncle who wants the throne for himself. Uh, I will not go out, go so far as to say that Prince Caspian is a better movie than Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, but I will say that there are some scenes that are just as good, if not better. Uh, one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when, is, is when Prince Caspian is trying to find something to defeat his uncle, and this old, uh, old hag wizard brings him into this cave and that cave just so happens to contain the spirit of the white witch from the first movie who was eaten by Aslan. Yes, that actually happened. And, and he comes this close to letting her go. And it, it's one of those scenes where it's like, it's near the knuckle for Disney, but it's super effective as well. And, uh, and Prince Caspian as, in, as a movie as a whole is definitely underrated and, I'll, and I will say this now, just to call my shot, one of these episodes, I will definitely be recommending Voyage of the Dawn Treader, which is also really good as well. Yeah, I don't know why people didn't respond very well to this movie. I, I enjoyed it, and it has been a while since I've seen it, but I remember really enjoying it, and I think, I forget who the the lead guy is playing Prince Caspian. Remember thinking that he was very dreamy. <laughs> let, me, uh, let me look him up really quick. Yeah. Because I forget Ben his Barnes. Name. Ben Barnes. Oh, there yeah. you go. Yeah. 
<laughs> so it's got that going for it. I mean, come on. What do you want? Uh, yeah, the I, thing, about, thing about the Narnia movies is that after those movies ended, the kids really didn't go on to do all that much. Yeah, I which, which is why. Which is sad because, you know, at, at least for Daniel Radcliffe after Harry Potter, he's still doing things. But right. with the Narnia kids, it's like they faded off into obscurity. Like the last IMDb credit that I found for for the actor who played uh, who played the younger brother, and I'm blanking on his name at the minute. Uh, Peter. Uh, yes, thank you. Uh, Peter, his last, uh, his, his last credit was for his voice in the Prince Caspian video game. After that, hmm. nothing. Interesting. Interesting. Or Edmund. Is Edmund's the younger one. Peter's the older one. But yeah, yes, you yes, know, you're right. that's, that's, yeah, I know. It's interesting how that works sometimes. But yeah, no, I agree. I enjoyed the film and I, I think uh, it's worth, definitely worth a shot. All right. Well, my last suggestion is called The Finest Hours. And this is a movie that got decent reviews. I think it's like at 65, something like percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So it wasn't like it's great. It's better than 60%. Yeah. But I'd say it's so just the spectacle alone, I think is worth, worth a, a watch. And uh, it's uh, about the true story of this uh, it's there's this uh ship that is uh caught in a storm and ends up tearing basically in two and there's all of these soldiers on the ship that need to be rescued and uh so chris pine's character sets out on this lifeboat to rescue so you get half of the half the movie is is um casey affleck uh on the ship trying to save the men and half the movie is Chris Pine's character on the lifeboat trying to go f save the men. So uh, it's pretty harrowing, pretty well done. And uh, uh, it's, it's, it's an amazing true story. Yeah, and, uh, and I had the privilege of seeing this in theaters with my family, which all three of us going to a movie at the same time is rare. It's normally me and my uh -huh. mom and my dad, but it all three of us is uh is like once in a blue moon so uh you know my mom is interested in it when she wants to go with me and my dad like like and we don't have to like talk her into it but the finest hours is definitely it's definitely one of those based on a true story movies from disney that no one talks about and i think they should because the effects alone are worth the ticket price because the CGI is just incredible. When the boat like wrecks and it's like, it, it wasn't since like Life of Pi that I saw a boat crash where I was like, good God, that looks like it, it's actually happening right now. And it's, it's, it's terrifying. Yeah, it really is. And it feels very uh, real. Like you're, it, it doesn't feel like they're in a tank somewhere, which they obviously were, but it feels very immersive. Yeah, and Chris Pine, always great in anything yeah. he's in. Casey Affleck, who at first I was like, ah, I don't know. He's actually good in this as well. Yeah, he's, well, he's a good actor. I mean, he has personal stuff that people don't like, but he is a ta very talented actor. Right. And, uh, and you know, he's an uh, Oscar-winning actor for a reason. And so it's a, good, it's a very good film uh and underrated uh so i think people should check it out so what's your final choice so my final choice is from the national geographic side of things and 
It is called Apollo Missions to the Moon. Uh, this is a 90-minute documentary which combines newsreel footage and footage that had never been seen before from, the, from behind the scenes of the various uh, Apollo missions. They never turn those cameras off. And so you get these little, uh, you get these little intimate moments with the astronauts that you had never seen before. Uh, something to know about me is that I am a massive space program fan. I love learning about NASA and all of the Mercury and Gemini and Apollo missions. One of my favorite movies of all time is The Right Stuff, which is the, which is the standalone movie, like the great movie about the early space program that everyone should watch. Even though it is three hours, it's definitely worth the time. And uh, surprisingly, there are no Gemini program movies, which is strange because, you know, Ed White, first man to walk in space. So like, that's a license to print a biography right there. But, um, but Apollo is the one that really gets, the, gets a lot of movies based off of it. Like just two years ago alone, we got First Man, which was one of my favorites of that year. Um, but in terms of Apollo missions to the moon, I at first was like, okay, using rare footage to form a documentary, like that's been done mm -hmm. by the movie Apollo 11. And it was one of my favorites of last year. So I was at first like, am I gonna regret this? It turns out I didn't. Uh, there's almost no narrator. Instead, it's letting the news stories and the archival footage and the interviews from the astronauts and from the personnel telling the story. Uh, you get an interview from Gus Grissom, Ed White, and Roger Chaffee like a day before they unfortunately pass away in the capsule before Apollo 1 is about to launch, mm -hmm. which is simultaneously just surreal and terrifying all at the same time, seeing someone's last interview before they're about to die like hours later. Mm -hmm. But um, I love the space program and I love movies about the space program. And I'm surprised to say that Apollo missions to the moon is definitely one of the better ones. Like mm -hmm. Nat Geo definitely outdid themselves on this one. Huh, that sounds really good. I, I, I enjoy that too. Like I really like the right stuff and, and uh, I was I had issues with First Man, but for the most part, I, I really enjoy movies about the space program, and uh, I like Hidden Figures and and uh, a whole bunch of those movies. So uh, and Apollo Eleven and things. So this will be really interesting to check out. I think that sounds really good. So very good, we did it. Uh, we have five. We have ten more recommendations for y'all. Let us know what you think. And of these, if you've gotten to see them, what you think of Disney Plus, what you think of all the things we talked about, love to hear your thoughts in the comment section or on Twitter. And Ryan, where can people find you? You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at RyanCam20. Also on my YouTube channel, RyanCam Movie Reviews. Uh, today is a Monday, which means my episode on, on the waterfront for the AFI project just dropped. So if you would like to go check that out, please do so. Uh, that's going to be a pretty prevalent series on the channel. I've got coming up in the coming days and weeks, uh, movies like, uh, like It's a Wonderful Life and Chinatown and Some Like It Hot and The Grapes of Wrath and E.T. It's just... It's just going to be a deluge of some of the best movies ever made. And then, of course, I'll be gearing up for Nolan Month in honor of Tenet. So I'll be reviewing all of Nolan's movies. And I am just 
now starting to watch all the movies for my Halloween series. I know it's it's a tad early, but hey, one doesn't it doesn't hurt to prepare yourself, don't you? Right. That's but, right. Uh, Very good. All right. Yeah, and you can find me at Rachel's Reviews, all of our social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Rotten Tomatoes. So please check that out. And also, you can find me at the Homeworkies Podcast. So lots of fun stuff there. And thanks again, uh, Ryan. This is always really fun. And we'll look forward to next week. And uh, we'll talk to y'all later. Bye, everyone. <laughs>